Hello and welcome to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the podcast that is educating about and working towards a true people's liberation. Uh, I am your host, Josh. If this is your first time tuning in, two things. First of all, that background noise, I apologize for it. Uh, I am driving because it's usually the only time I get to record is on my way to and from work. Um, so I apologize for that. Um, secondly, thanks for stopping by. I hope even given the uh, audio quality that you, uh, you know, enjoy the show. Hopefully here soon I'll be able to get a job that uh, actually cares about my mental well-being uh, and gives me time off uh, and the ability to actually live a human life. Uh, but until that happens, this is what we got. For those of you who are tuning in again, thank you. I don't understand you, but I appreciate you. Um, and I hope that I can, you know, record a good enough show that makes you want to come back once again or a few more times, however many times, just more. Uh, I'm lonely, so there's that. Um, yeah, so, you know, in our last episode we talked about the idea of police uh, in our episode called Police Violence in America. We kind of went over a broad stroke idea of, okay, what is the state, right? Um, state is an apparatus of oppression by one class over the other, um, and it is the physical manifestation of keeping the quote-unquote law and order uh, between those two classes. Now, as we know, that, that one class that has the power, that's the, the rich, the, the rich ruling class, the wealthy elites, um, and, and those who see those laws written for us, see those laws acted out against us, and are the ones who are told that we have to stay orderly after we are the class that is consistently being oppressed, um, that's us, the working class. Uh, in America, what we know as the working class is a little bit more complex, to, to say the least, than just the working class. But at the same time, there is a general uh, uh, sense of powerlessness that you as a worker, not an owner, not a wealthy elite person, have in this country. You are made to be powerless by your simple lack of ownership. That's, that's a reality in this country that can't be denied. And then there are many more other factors such as race, gender, religion, many other things that cause many folks other than myself to suffer just far, far worse realities than many of us would ever be able to imagine. All because of these, you know, these simple characteristics, these, these one-layer characteristics, I like to call them, of, of race, of gender, of choosing to see people how we perceive them. That's, that's what those things are based off of. I'm better than you, and this is what I think. So I'm a police officer named Derek Chauvin, and I'm going to kneel on the back of your neck for more than eight minutes and, and let you die and probably get away with it. Um... Yeah, so we talked about that, and then we talked about how the police, as a special body of armed men and women, are simply that state, so in the United States, our government, instrument of upholding 
that law and order within the societies that we all live in, you know, the communities, the towns, the different areas we live in, we all have police, and they all might, you know, serve a different uh, a boss, they might all, all have different opinions, but at the, at the end of the day, the goal of a police officer is, as, as you know, his or her or their uh, vehicle usually says, protect and serve, but what they don't do is actually finish that sentence. With that protect and serve, that's actually a part of the sentence. Uh, and, and the sentence is protect and serve the people, uh, companies, and, and money that employs us, their their property, and their person. Because, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but the police officers keep forgetting they're supposed to protect and serve us. And it's almost like, you know, they say if there's a pattern, it might not be an accident. Uh, it's almost like the whole system was set up so that there can be one class ruling over the other. And there can be a special body of armed men, women, and people to take care of that, uh, to take care of those laws and make sure to maintain order. But I'm just spitballing here, so what do I know? Uh, but what I wanted to talk about today is a little bit of a continuation of that conversation, which follows along the lines of something which it's going to be me being a hypocrite, honestly, because a year ago today, and for a while, I was strictly anti-gun. You know, after watching... Uh, back in 2016, 2017, watching all the, the shootings that, that happened and were actually getting media coverage, uh, you know, listening to the testimonies of, like, David Hogg uh, and, and others who had to experience those awfully traumatic things. It makes sense why anyone might say, we can't have guns. We cannot have guns. Look at what they do. And to some extent, I still definitely do not, it's hard, it's a hard conversation, but like, in my perfect utopia, obviously, guns were never invented. In my perfect world, where I can make up all the rules and everything, guns weren't invented. But unfortunately, they were. And because of that, people keep using them to kill people. And in all honesty, most, well, I won't say most because, you know, we don't want to be too general here, but a good portion of those people who are using those guns to kill other people just happen to be the people who are supposed to be the good guys with the gun in that scenario. The police, if, if you're not getting what I'm insinuating. And so, I'm writing a, a little blog that's going to go up later today um, that kind of talks about something similar. We'll talk about the same topic, just not as much at length. Uh, and that's kind of the question of gun control in our current, you know, day. Like today, April 16th, 2021. What would gun control in America look like? 
because we can talk about this idea of gun control as an abstract idea. We can say it would be good if we got rid of guns. It would be good if people didn't have guns. It would be good if these things stopped happening, right? And so we look at the institutions, the systems, and the avenues by which we have available to us to to try to correct these things, right? To try to correct the problems that we have in society. We have a government. We have laws. We have institutions and things that are meant to, supposedly, a little asterisk here, they're meant to correct these problems, right? And so if, if we were to pass gun, gun control legislation in this country, which took the hands out, took the guns out of the hands of the people, what would that look like? Well, if we're honest with ourselves, we know first and foremost that a lot of people who have guns will just simply not turn in those guns. Hey, that's, you know, people do that stuff. On top of that, we also know, um, because, or we should know, or we should at least be asking ourselves this question, are the police and the military going to also have to follow the same restrictions that are going to be passed for the people? And that question is a question that the Black Panthers, Malcolm X, and many other people far before me asked during the 50s, 60s, and 70s when this type of conversation was being had about removing guns, removing weapons from the hands of of black folks and, and oppressed folks in America. And it's funny because, you know, it's not really that hard of a Like, no. The answer is no. We know that police officers will still have their guns. We know because of what continues to happen that if they ever slip up, if they ever, you know, don't care enough to check whether or not they're holding a gun or a fucking taser, they don't care about someone's life enough, and they know that they're not going to suffer consequences, so they don't fucking care, until that stuff happens and we see people actually suffering the consequences for that, we know that that won't happen. And what's what's the military, right? Because if we talk about the police in the United States, we talk about a special, you know, body of armed people who are meant to use their oppressive and exploitive, you know, power within society, over society to maintain that, that quote-unquote, law and order, okay? The military for the United States is just the police for the world. Um, we have, right now, as, as America, almost, I think, 860, so don't quote me there, but I think we have more than 800 military bases across the world in 40 or more countries, I want to say. Um, currently, there's not a single military base on United States soil. And that is because, according to the United States, it is an act of war. 
So in the same way that our police in this country can rule with impunity, can kill with impunity, can dominate and oppress without consequence, so too can our military invade entire nations, massacre entire people, kind of like the way this country got started. There isn't a goddamn international court that's going to hold them accountable. Because guess what? The United States doesn't sign any pact that says that they have to be held accountable to those international courts. Go the United States. So, in this, in this case, you know, will the military of the United States disarm? No, what's the point of having a military without guns? Okay, so then what you're saying is that this gun control is actually just to make sure that then that power that these military personnel, that the police officers in our communities, the people who employ them, it's just to maintain that power. It's just to make sure that, okay, the folks who are getting mad right now, the folks who are calling out and talking about the fact that police officers are killing young black, brown, and indigenous folks like it's their fucking job, the people who are yelling about the fact that they don't have enough money to afford rent, they don't have enough money to afford food, the people who are yelling about the fact that our government officials don't give a fuck about any of us, and rightfully so, our government is going, let's make sure they don't have guns so that they can't do anything about it. That's what it is. And if you want to, you know, if you want to look at it from another perspective, have at it. Um, but, you know, again, we want to analyze these things materially. We want to see the the reality that lies ahead of us because otherwise we're, we're playing with, we're playing with a future that is impossible to narrow down, you know, factually. And I'm not saying that then... You know, because, again, who knows? Who fucking knows what's going on? But, you know, we have history. We have the fact that prior to black folks joining up uh, to fight for their own emancipation in the Civil War, uh, most of the the government numbers, most of the, the sessions that were held in the North and the South was to talk about the fact that we have to make sure that these folks don't actually join the military because they're going to have guns. Uh, you don't believe me, you know what I mean? Because a lot of folks, we don't get taught actually about the United States in any kind of material reality or any kind of, you know, actual or factual, I should say, way. If you don't believe me, that's cool. Um, you know, I've done my research, so if you don't believe me, guess what? Your punishment is to go do that research yourself uh, and come back when you have done that research. Otherwise, uh, I'm going to be honest, I don't give a fuck what you think uh, because I myself and others have taken the time to not just think but to learn. And so what we want to do if we want to change these problems um, is we want to learn. So if you genuinely do not believe me, I'm not saying I'm mightier than thou, I'm right, fuck you, I'm right. What I'm saying is I can be wrong, but the reason why I got to where I got and I, I have the, the the take that I have is because I've spent my time trying to educate myself on these things. Uh, as a white person, a white male person uh, in America today, it is almost impossible for me to understand these problems from an objective perspective. I have to learn what what the experience of black people in America is 
I have to read books. I have to listen to speeches. I have to, you know, learn sociology and psychology. And I have to look back at, you know, how race was formed in this country. I have to learn the history of, of the oppression in this country. Just to be able to understand what black people understand by waking up as a black person in this country. Now, they might not understand that to a, a material degree to understand necessarily, okay, this is where these problems that I'm suffering from, this is where, you know, this oppression and these stereotypes and this exploitation comes from, but, oh, all right, go through a red light, go off, um, but these people, you know, they wake up and they have to live this reality, black folks get killed in this country for being black, that's a reality that they have to live with. White folks, we don't have to live with that until, you know, we just happen to be the, the person that's staring down the barrel of the gun that uh, just happens to not be the, the type of person that that cop gives a shit about. Because, you know, not for nothing, white folks are getting killed in this country by police officers, too, not by any close metric to black, brown, and indigenous people who are being murdered again like it is the job of the police officers at an extremely disproportionate rate. But the fact of the matter is, no one should be getting killed by the police officers. No police officer should be killing anyone. Because it's not a police officer's job to kill anyone. It's a police officer's job to, uh, you know, arrest folks and to get them into the positions where they can be held accountable for their crimes, supposedly. But oddly enough, um, they just keep killing people instead. So again, let's let's double back to our, our point, which was, you know, if we're talking about gun control in this country, if we're talking about passing gun legislation, gun restriction, okay, well, whose guns are being restricted? Whose guns are being taken away? And who gets to keep their guns? Who gets to keep killing people with those guns? And who does it with a badge? I don't even have a gun, right? I, I know a lot of people who feel the same way about me who are hesitant about buying a gun because they recognize what a dangerous instrument that is. You know, uh a quote-unquote trained police officer, what an oxymoron that is, can slip up, apparently, sure, go fuck yourself and die, but whatever, can slip up and mistake a taser for a gun and kill someone. I don't want that power in my hand. But the problem is that people who are in positions of power, whose main intention it is to keep themselves within those positions of power and to maintain the structure that gave them that power, they have guns and they keep using them on people who oftentimes don't have guns themselves. Uh because of this, we might need guns. Now, uh, two things that I have to say as a disclaimer to not be uh, arrested. 
Um, one, I am not advocating for uh, arming up, right? I am not advocating go out and buy a gun. You don't want a gun, don't get a gun, whatever. Learn about guns because they're important and they are a tool. And uh, if you look at the history of national liberation movements in South America, in Africa, in Asia, and, and especially, you know, because we're talking about America, if you, t- if you talk about the liberation movements in America, such as the Black Panthers, such as, you know, Malcolm X and folks like them, who were advocating for gun ownership, who were advocating for protection. Um, if you look at the history of these these organizations, if you look at the history that developed, and you see the difference between the folks who say, "No, we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna go in and act in nonviolence, and we're gonna have the moral high horse," they end up dead too, right? And I can't remember what the exact quote is. But, I mean, basically, as it stands right now, especially black folks in this country, right? Because I, I, as a white person, this is a reality I'm speaking on, but I can't speak to. Um, and I'm only speaking on it because it's an important conversation to be had. And I have people who listen to my podcast that need to, you know, we need to have this conversation. Uh, but black folks in this country can either, A, be killed extrajudiciously in the street for being black, or they can fire back. And, at, you know, as I said, or I'm going to say when I post it in my blog about this very same topic, um, the death of Breonna Taylor very easily could have also been the death of Kenneth Walker, her boyfriend who had a weapon and who fired back supposedly, I don't actually know the whole story, but he at least was armed, and and to some, you know, extent or another, we might be able to say that that was able to help save his life, because the police officers who fired at Breonna Taylor, who was laying down asleep, uh, didn't feel as if they might be fired back at, so they just shot, uh, But nine times out of ten, when someone feels as if they are equally as threatened as they are threatening, their actions take different form. Now, if somehow or another Kenneth Walker had answered that that door with a gun, it might have still ended up being two murders. But, honestly, and and I, I... I don't want to say this because it's such a genuinely awful reality, but what is the hope that is saving black and brown folks in this country? It sure as hell isn't the law, and it sure as hell isn't the people who are supposed to be upholding that law and protecting the people that that law is supposed to have been written for. It sure as hell isn't the people within our society who continuously keep saying awful shit about George Floyd, about Dante Wright, about whoever, and trying to criminalize them as if it's it's meaningful in any way to criminalize them. Because, again, police officers shouldn't be killing guilty people either. And so the fact of the matter is quite simple. Black folks, brown folks, indigenous folks, 
immigrants, women, transgender folks, LGBTQ plus folks, all the oppressed people in this country who continuously, time and time again, have to suffer under the laws, under the oppressive social, political, and economic structure, and under the outright murderous actions of our police department, they don't have anyone coming to save them. They don't have anyone to protect themselves. They do not have the privilege that you and I might have when we can sit up and say, yeah, I think that we, people shouldn't have guns. Well, no one's breaking into our homes and trying to kill us yet. So when that start, starts happening, then you folks can chime in on that conversation. But until then, the people who continuously getting killed in the streets by the police officers who are supposed to be protecting them and who will not be disarmed when those folks who are getting killed are, they need to have some kind of protection for themselves. And here's the thing. If a police officer has a pistol, I'm going to have a pistol. If a police officer has an AR-15, I'm going to have an AR-15. Because when he shoots at me with that AR-15, if I'm shooting back with a pistol, who's to say who's going to win, right? And obviously this is all, you know, this is all um, uh, a parody that we're talking about in Minecraft, you know, because we would never fire back at police officers in real life because we respect uh, uh, guns and what they can do to us. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it goes to say that we, in this country, have to recognize the reality, which is people are being fucking murdered by our police officers. And if they don't have the protection to not get outright killed, then they're just going to get outright killed. There is no, okay, well, maybe they won't kill him next time, because guess what? They keep killing people. The second thing I have to say to make sure that this is above board is uh, we are not uh, trying to form a militia. We do not advocate for militia activities here at In Defense of Liberation. And if you are trying to form a uh, militia, please stop, because uh, at this point in time, where we are at in America, um, uh, it is is a problem child that will not lead to the solutions that we necessarily need right now. Um, as we saw with the Black Panther Party, you pick up a gun, well, guess what? You have a new target on your head. But you have that gun in your hands to protect yourself. So in a lot of cases, you know, it's an awful reality for black, brown, and indigenous people in this country that, you know, they have to protect themselves in a country that they are supposed to be equal in, in the quote-unquote land of the free, but that is the reality that we have to reckon with, and, it, and you know, the longer we continue to not see it, the longer we can... I don't know if it cut it off, but what I was saying was that, um, you know, if these things don't get better, they're only going to get worse, and the way in which we make these things better, I mean, it's it's a conversation we need to have at, at much more length, but the way we make these things better is by us ourselves getting organized with one another, uh, uh, educating each other on these topics, um, you know, really beginning to form what is known as militancy, which, you know, even though that word rings kind of poorly in the ears of some, Basically, what it means is just getting to a point where we are prepared and ready to do what needs to be done to help the people who need help, right? 
that's that's what we want to be. That's what we want to you know try to be. Um, so we need to start working on that like ASAP. And there's a lot of organizations, a lot. It, it's undeniable um, that there are organizations around the world and across the country who are trying and actively in some ways succeeding to facilitate the creation of these things. But they need help and we need to help them. And so, you know, to finish off this episode, these things will not change by our simple will to see them change. These things will change by us and and anyone else who feels the same way that we feel going out into the communities where these things are especially a problem and, and basically just, you know, saying like, how can we help? How can I help? Because, you know, the worst thing that we want to do first and foremost is go to people who need help and tell them how they need to help themselves. Because that is first and foremost, extremely invalidating. It is also pretty fucking dehumanizing for people who they themselves are the ones suffering these, you know, extrajudicial killings and this this poverty and this lack of resources and support within our country. Black folks don't need white people like me to go into their communities and tell them what they need to do. Black folks are actively doing it. Indigenous people don't need white people going into their communities and saying, this is what you need to do. They've been doing it for hundreds of years. They know far better than you or you and I. But indigenous communities, black communities, brown communities, uh, all kinds of folks in this country do need help because they are actively being fought against. They are constantly having to resist oppression, resist exploitation. There are people in this country who almost never get to take a breath of fresh air because they are constantly yelling about wanting to be free. Because in this country, when you stop yelling, they stop caring. When, uh, you know, this time last year is right around the time, it's, it's April, it's right around the time we started seeing George Floyd protests even begin to wane. And so it's in the media coverage, that is. And so it's, it's really important that we remember that this shit is not important to the people in power. This shit is not important to the people who want to be in power. This shit is not important to anyone other than people who see it for what it is and want it to change. Or, and usually this is who those people are, you know, made up of, or the very people who are suffering these problems themselves. And so, again, there is no one who can fight these kinds of battles themselves. Not a single people group can can necessarily, on their own, save themselves because, At this point in time, there is so much facing these communities. There's so much about the world we live in that is continuously oppressing and exploiting these already subjected uh, uh, and subjugated communities. There is so much facing them. And so the last thing they need is to be fighting these battles on their own. The best thing we can do is to, you know, try however we can to build, you know, to build community, to build connection with folks, to reach out and, and offer ourselves as a helping hand. Um, 
there's a lot of organizations who just need people. There's a lot of communities who just need people who want to help. There's a lot of people who just need people. We don't need to be anything at this point in time right now, um, I feel, other than a helping hand. So if I can leave you with a charge, if I can leave you with some kind of objective or, or inspiration, it's that the world is getting worse, right? It, that's undeniable. But we can see that more now than ever, there are people who are beginning to come together and say, this is bullshit. There are people who are coming together and are beginning to say, things need to change. Things need to get better. And, and we need to be the ones to change it. But ultimately, that cannot just be a select few. That has to be the masses. That has to be the majority. Because you know, we, we want to talk about weapons. We constantly hear, oh, how are you going to win a battle against the U.S. military? With numbers. That's how. How the fuck did the Russian, you know, the Russian revolution, the Chinese revolution, how did they succeed? Numbers. We have to be there for the people. We have to help the people. Because our goal in this revolutionary theory, our goal in this, this picture of the world is helping the people. <laughs> fixing the problems so that the people can live non-oppressive lives. So it would make sense to go out and help the people, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so if you're still listening to this, I appreciate you very much. Um, I, uh, sorry, I'm trying to do a million things at once. I'm at my job opening up right now. Okay. Um, if you're still listening to this, I appreciate you very much. Um, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Um, if you want to check out any more of my stuff, you can. You can go to um, for liberation. That's you know no caps, no spaces. Dot wix site w i x s i t e dot com forward slash website. You can go on there and find my uh, my blogs that I write. You can go on there and find um, uh, some good quotes and uh, some other things. You can also find me on social media on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram at In Defense of Liberation. And if for any reason you want to reach out to me, you know, whatever it is, I don't care. You want to say hi. You want to call me an idiot. You want to whatever. Uh, you can reach out to me on any of my social media, and you can also find me at uh, indefensiveliberation at gmail.com. Uh, no caps, no spaces on that one either, so you can reach out to me there. You can tell me whatever you want, man. I I, uh, I don't really care. Um, anything that you have to say that's bad about me, I guarantee I've said much worse. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, if you're still listening, appreciate you, love you, solidarity to you and all our other struggling people across the world. Um, folks, for real, however you can in your own personal life, I know that it's hard. Uh, we're all struggling during these times. However you can get out and help, even if it's your next door neighbor, I, I would advise that you do it. Not only just because I'm some guy who's saying you should go do it, but because I know that doing that not only helps someone, but is one of the best feelings in the world. And something that, 
most of us, if not all of us, need right now are some good feelings. So go out and help one another. Go out and love on one another. Go out and spread, you know, go out and spread communism, folks. That's that's what it is. That's what the goal is. And that's what doing that is. Communism is not some, you know, rigid picture. Communism is building communism. So let's go out and build communism. Uh, much love and solidarity to y'all. Again, hope you have a good rest of your day. And I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. Uh, thanks for listening. I've been Josh. And we'll see you next time. Bye.